Hey everybody. This episode is possibly going to be one of my vulnerable ones, uh, one of the most vulnerable ones, I should say. I know I said that when I spoke on the topic of me facing infertility. This is another this is another doozy. So in light of all of this COVID pandemic, I'm hearing of so many people suffering, especially the ones that have been suffering with mental health conditions, uh, such as depression or anxiety. And along with those goes uh, even thoughts of suicide. So um, before going any further, if you do listen along with your kids, this may not be the best one for them to overhear so stick in your earbuds or listen when you're on your own maybe before you go to bed or when you wake up in the morning in the bathtub with some bubbles I don't know but there's my my little disclaimer there but before I get into some of that deep heart um deep dark heavy stuff I have two really exciting things to share with you and tell you so number one I have alluded to this in a couple of my podcasts already. I can't remember if I've published them not or if I have them scheduled to publish. I often record episodes and then I put them in the order that I think they should be in. So forgive me. I don't know. Um, so if this is the first time you're hearing this, then surprise. Um, I am writing a second book currently. So I'm super excited about it. All of this time indoors has really allowed me the time that I've needed to kind of get some of my thoughts down on paper. Uh, I have have written a couple of books in the past. I have published one other one in the past about five years ago. So this will be fun. This will be my second one that I'll publish. Probably make it an ebook first. Um, Anyways, if this is the second time hearing this surprise. So uh, send me some messages of what you think it should be about. It's going to be similar to my first one, kind of uh, becoming your best self and really uh, focusing on what matters most to you and how you find true joy. My first book's name was Rejuvenate with Joy. So if that helps you uh, help me brainstorm some names for my book, that'd be awesome. Uh, Second surprise I have for you, I decided that with this Looking Inward series, And with wanting to uplift other people, especially those suffering from mental health uh, conditions right now, is I have a talent that maybe some people that are listeners of my podcast don't even know, is uh, I'm quite musical. I've taken singing lessons in the past. I have been in um, one of the big popular local choirs in my own town called Rev 52 in the past. I've been in dozens of choirs growing up over time in church. I've sung in Handel's Messiah more times than I can count. I have that thing memorized. It's a beautiful piece of music. Um, I've also taken piano lessons since I was like four years old all the way up until I graduated high school. So I can play some instruments and I can uh, sing and I'm not super tone deaf. So that's awesome. So Another unfair advantage I have is that my husband is a professional musician, used to tour with uh, Randy Bachman or Bachman Turner Overdrive. He has opened up for the likes of John Mayer, Serena Ryder, um, Lindsay L., Roscoe Flats, Keith Urban, 
you name it. Um, he's very talented and he's also very good at obviously mixing music and stuff. So my second surprise is that I'm going to have a podcast theme song and I'm totally uh, stealing this song. I do not have the rights. Dave Grohl, if you want to get mad at me, I totally understand. I will take it down. I will pay you. I'll do whatever I need to do. But I love you, Dave. We have been to all of your concerts that have come through Calgary and um, I hope you're not completely offended that I have totally ripped off and done a uh, copy of your song. But the song is called Times Like These. And I truly feel like it relates to what we're dealing with right now in the pandemic. Um, I was completely inspired by BBC's uh, remake version of this that you did. And you, you included so many amazing artists in that compilation. So I'm kind of taking... Um, that hint that you're okay sharing the love and sharing this song at this time where people need to hear it so maybe at the end of this episode i will uh, give you a little feature debut of that song and from here on out maybe just for the series or maybe i'll continue again you guys can let me know um if you like hearing it or if i'm just kind of blubbering away and singing my singing my jam and you guys are like oh my goodness here's this again then i won't play it uh for the entirety of this podcast i've actually written a song for this podcast and i'm in the middle of um trying to find time in michael's schedule for him to help me record that so until that happens dave i hope you're okay with sharing this one with me um times like these and it's the words that really get you in that one. So I'll play that at the end, or maybe when I need to lighten this up and we need to split it up a little bit. But what I wanted to talk about in this episode was my own journey with mental health. I truly feel like being open and being vulnerable, um, that puts me in a space in your life as a listener to start to have a little bit more trust for me. Um, so I'm willing to kind of go outside my comfort zone here and talk about my own struggle uh, with mental health and how it's affected me in my life. So uh, I, I've definitely talked about in the episode where I interviewed my stepdaughter Ella that I did suffer from childhood anxiety. My mom and I are cut from different cloths. I was raised as a single child um, by a single mother. It was just me and her. Um, so that's always a bit of an interesting dynamic because I feel like I was always obligated to fill the role of almost a spouse for her to vent to and you know, um, gossip too and things like that. And then I was also her daughter. Um, she and I are just, we get along great right now, but growing up, it was really hard. Um, she was a full-time English teacher at a high school and she was busy. Um, if you live with a teacher or you are a teacher, you understand how much time she needed to take away from uh, parenting to mark essays. So in order for her to uh, cope, she put me in a lot of lessons. Now, keep in mind, I didn't have my postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome or my Ehlers-Danlos syndrome diagnosed as a child, but I know that I had symptoms as a youth growing up, especially once I hit puberty around 10, 9 or 10. So um, I had a racing heart. I had trouble breathing, trouble with asthma. I thought it was asthma. It was probably more the hungry air feeling that you get when you um, your your circulation isn't working and your blood isn't pumping fast enough to get to your heart and to your brain. And so you get dizzy and you get headaches and things like that. I felt all of that as a child and it gave me an enormous amount of anxiety. So that being said, this is not to... Um, 
compare myself to other people with diagnosed generalized anxiety disorder or diagnosed clinical depression. Um, I don't feel like I have those, but I do feel like I've felt those feelings. And I feel like most people in their life, whether they're willing to admit it or not, have felt feelings of depression and they've felt feelings or symptoms of anxiety. Um, So I had a lot of teenage angst growing up in my years. I don't know if God has a good sense of humor or if he was really trying to test us, but my mom had me later on in life. I was kind of an oops baby. She calls me her miracle baby. She was hit and run over by a car um, in her 20s and broke her pelvis in three places. So she was told that she'd never be able to carry or conceive a child. Um, And then here's me. So yeah, oops. No regrets though, right mom? But um, anyway, it's kind of me trying to make fun of a a tricky situation in her life but she did what she thought was best and she got married to my dad and yeah they're opposites as well so funny times but I, I had a lot of angst um, because God has a sense of humor and my mom went through menopause the exact same time that I was going through puberty so imagine this household where it's like just a daughter and her mother they're both like going crazy, whacked out, poop shit crazy with their hormones, one's going through puberty, one's going through menopause. It was freaking awful, awful. And she'll admit it too. It was so, so bad. So that caused a lot of hate and resentment and anger inside me, as well as this feeling that I had to take care of my mom, especially on those days that she was so depressed, she didn't even want to get out of bed, or on those days where she was a bit hypomanic, and she would go spend a bunch of money on all these watches and purses, and then I was like, oh my goodness, you're spending all of our money when we need that for food and stuff, mom, so I always have saved my money my entire life, and I don't know if my mom knows that that's why, I think I've talked about that with her before, though. Anyway, I I have no fear of my mom hearing any of this because we've talked about it openly and I know that she's completely fine um, being vulnerable and sharing her story just like I am. So I've always been um, hyper aware and wondered if I have depression knowing that my mom has it. I think people on my dad's side have it. It's just so common. So I've always um, watched myself and I do feel like I had a little bit of postpartum depression after having Taya and I had no family around. We lived in a different city and uh, it was just a hard time in my life. Luckily, I made it through that. Um, going back, I kind of, I'm really intrigued by personality types or the science behind personalities. And um, I feel that I have always been a people pleaser and I've always been an obliger. Maybe because I did have these feelings growing up that I needed to please my mom or I needed to take care of her or whatever it may be. Maybe I was just born with that temperament. I don't know. Um, But either way, I was an honor roll kid because schooling was very important to my grandpa. So he raised my mom to feel that schooling was of utmost priority. Um, So then she raised me. um, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So I did really well in school because I felt like I had to, which I'm sure created tons of anxiety for me. And I got into all of the universities that I applied for. And of course, I attended the one my mom wanted me to attend because I was an obliger. So I attended secondary school um, in the United States. So again, no family, no resources, nothing. Um, And I fell into a relationship fairly early on. Um, And I dated a person whose mother had a mental health disorder called borderline personality disorder. Now, she had attempted to commit suicide a few times in the past. Um, Her family didn't know if it was genuine or if it was more of an attention-seeking behavior. But either way, it had happened. They were seeing counseling. And a counselor told this boy I was dating at the time, 
Um, you can't let her blackmail you. You just have to live your life. And she needs to learn that um, she can't threaten you or hold things over your head. So he had decided that he was going to come visit me in Canada a couple of months before he served a mission for uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, where he would be gone for two years. And we thought we were in love. We were totally dependent on one another. We kind of were there for one another when we were both away from our families at this school, um, far away from our homes. And uh, he was a relationship that I relied upon on that freshman year of college for me. So um, I was with him till the end and, and he decided he was going to come visit me to Canada. And I said, you know what, I don't know if that's a good idea. Um, it sounds like your mom is making some threats or some allegations, not allegations, sorry, but she's, she's uh, suggesting that she might actually kill herself if you come visit me because that upset her that idea upset her so much that it would be distracting him from the mission that he was going to be going on from the church and you shouldn't be visiting girls at this time in your life um so she was very adamantly opposed to it and he was kind of her favorite child in my opinion and there's some weird dynamic between moms and favorite sons I tell you I've that, that could be a whole nother podcast episode but anyways um so lo and behold he he came uh, he brought his younger daughter, son, younger um, brother with him, and they were getting all of these texts from his mom saying, come back or I'm going to kill myself, come back or I'm going to kill myself, come back. So his dad and his sister and everybody were phoning him saying, please come back, please come back, please come back. So he came back, um, much to his dismay. So uh, they went to a counselor the following week, and once again, the counselor said, if you truly feel like you want to go and visit your girlfriend that you love and you will end up with, you need to go and visit her. You cannot let your mom decide for you. At the end of the day, this is your choice. Of course, this is the story I'm hearing from my boyfriend. I don't know, uh, but I do have a huge um, understanding of borderline personality disorder because of this mother. Um, I've read books on it and at one point in time I'm like maybe my mom has this like I just did so much research and and realized how much manipulation goes on um, and and emotional abuse goes on with these these people that are truly ill and uh, so once again he ventured out to come visit me in Canada he left the cell phone behind so he had no way of um, communicating with me he had no way of his mom communicating with him, and him and his brother came to Canada. And um, when he got to the border crossing, the border guards um, had him pull over and come in, and they brought in him and his brother, and they had to tell this poor boy and his younger brother that his mom had actually indeed killed herself. That morning, they left, and she had... Uh, waited for everybody to leave the house and she burnt the house down and took herself and her own life with it. Um, yeah, maybe this is a good time for this musical break. So you may have noticed that that was not me singing. 
if I keep it as just the interlude music, that probably means that we haven't finished splicing and editing it yet, and it's not quite ready. So hang on tight. You'll hear it as soon as it's ready. That's the one downside to having an amazingly talented husband who used to be a musician, is that I need his help with certain things uh, when it comes to editing music. And he is quite the perfectionist, so I'm willing to wait. Um, so until then, sorry. Welcome back. Hope you guys liked that musical break. Tell me honestly. Hopefully it was okay. It's been a while since I've had to uh, exercise them lungs. I had a really good time doing it, though. It's a good way to hang out with Michael, too. He's so busy. All right, so... Obviously, needless to say, that story that I shared before this musical break um, is a huge reason of why I ended up working on the psychiatry unit as a registered nurse. Um, I needed that closure. I needed to learn a little bit more about mental illness. I needed to learn how not to personalize um, how other people treat you, especially when they're suffering from mental health disorders. And to this day, I'm still very um, close with people that suffer from mental health or have a close connection with other people that have affected their lives because of mental health. I just have a very special place in my heart for that. Um, so I'm working in psychiatry. I got pregnant with Taya, super excited. Uh, I tell my, my bosses that I work under, the unit manager and the assistant unit manager, I say, hey, look, I'm pregnant. Like I, I only started working here about a year ago. What's the scoop? Uh, when people are pregnant, would it be okay if I maybe don't work with some of the more volatile and aggressive, violent patients? And they're like, oh, no. And they kind of brushed me off. And they kind of said, um, no, you'll be fine. We've had lots of pregnant people working. We've never had any incidents. You'll be fine. It's all good. Literally the very next week, I was attacked by one of the patients. She was way bigger than me. Uh, she was getting upset at her mom. She was in a psycho psychotic state. No, she wasn't in a psychotic state. She had come in. We were wondering if it was a query of psychosis or if it was a behavioral thing. Uh, she was from a nearby reserve. Um, and the mom had actually mentioned to me in the past that she had been violent with just her, but nobody else, just her. Um, so why are we keeping her um, in the unit? Why isn't she allowed to go upstairs? And we said, well... She's not quite stable. We're trying to figure out her medications right now. And maybe that's something we can look at in a couple of weeks. So literally about an hour, not even after I told the mom this, uh, this, this patient comes running out of her room after her mother, yelling at her mom, swearing at her mom, throwing chairs. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is my patient. Now I was charge nurse that day. And what that means is I was in charge of all the admissions, all the discharges. I was kind of overseeing the unit. So I had, uh, I was admitting somebody for the first um, half an hour of my shift. So I hadn't done my um, medications yet. And that's okay. It was still within the allotted time period. I wasn't running late or anything. But what we discovered later is uh, this patient's meds wore off too early and we needed to up her dose. <laughs> Hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? Anyways, so she um, was getting very aggressive and very unstable. Uh, and so this blowout happened. And I'm thinking in my head, crap, I'm the one that has a rapport. She's my patient. I should go talk to her. In hindsight, I should not have gone and talked to her. I was pregnant. There was already another nurse that was very qualified and bigger than me dealing with the situation. He's like super strong and has muscles. What was I 
thinking. But the nurturer in me was like, oh no, I can maybe help. So I just simply went up and said, I think you need to head back to your room. We can talk about this later. And she just turned and that was that. And she started attacking and I uh, ended up with a broken nose and lots of bruises all over my back. I was pushed into a chalkboard ledge. I won't get into all those gruesome details, but needless to say, I was pregnant. I was worried about losing my child. I was only eight weeks along. Um, I was off because I was battered and bruised with broken uh, nose, not able to take anything because I was pregnant. I suffered from post-traumatic stress. I had nightmares. I wouldn't leave the house. I was nervous of all um, Indigenous people because she was an Indigenous patient. Um, I generalized and said, oh my goodness, if she's that violent and aggressive, they all must be. So I was terrified and I lived in Lethbridge at the time and there were reserves surrounding Lethbridge. So it was a really, really hard time in my life. Um, at that time, I was also married to my first husband. Um, I don't want to make any allegations, but I want to say that there was some manipulation and there were some things, whether they were subconscious or intentional, that happened. And they were emotionally abusive. I was gaslit quite often. I still am to this day. And I now am brave enough to call him out on it and say, you can stop gaslighting me now. You can have a nice day. I'll talk to you once you've calmed down a bit. Um, and we only really communicate over text now. Um, either way, um, something that you'll learn with mental health science is there's, there's different responses. There's fight, there's flight, and there's fawn. And I fall under that fawn category. Maybe it's because I have a bit of complex PTSD um, from my childhood and from that experience. But what it means to fawn is you try to do everything in your power to make that person happy. And so I did that in my first marriage. I do that with authority figures to this day. Like I've got this weird thing um, that I have to get through and overcome. But I do this fawning and maybe that's where the obliger tendencies also come from. So I was finally strong enough to leave that divorce. I came um, into a bit of a self-awakening. I became so much more self-aware. I became so much more aware of all of the emotional abuse and verbal abuse and manipulation going on around me. Um, in order to do that, I had to work through it. I, I felt lots of anger, but I was able to write my book in that time. And through doing that, it was kind of my source of therapy. I journaled a lot and my first book is basically my journal entries. And I saw that as a form of therapy. And by doing so, I was able to heal. I was able to find Michael. I was able to get remarried to the man of my dreams, my soulmate, my best friend. Um, and only now has the Lord um, brought upon me. As soon as I met Michael, we were about to get married. The Lord said, okay, she can now start dealing with her physical um, illnesses. And that's when I started discovering my brain abnormalities and my vascular issues, and my Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, and my postural orthostatic tachycardia, and just then did I start receiving or getting these debilitating migraines and receiving treatments for those from a neurosurgeon on a regular basis. So I really do know that things happen in the Lord's time. Um, I can relate that all into my infertility. Now I know why. Now I know why I can't have another child. Now I know that I have vascular um, a vascular disease that I'm going to live with the rest of my life that puts me at a 50% risk of uterine rupture or organ rupture or a bleed if I do choose to carry another child. Now I know why. Now I know why I won't. Um, so I, I, I'm happy to 
say that I no longer suffer um, from mental health. Of course, I, I have anxiety from here and there, and then that's normal. If you suffer from anxiety or mental health, I just need you to know that it is okay to not be okay. I am always here to listen. I know a lot of my friends know that, and they're willing to vent to me. I can keep confidential uh, information between the two of us. I have uh, the dignity, uh, your dignity at, at my upfront, upfront and upmost importance to me and uh, reach out if you need to. I'm no longer a practicing registered nurse. I would also recommend you talk to your doctor, get a referral for a psychiatrist if you feel like you need some medications. It's okay to take medications for this sort of thing. It's just like having diabetes or having a heart disease. Those people need to be on medications for the rest of their lives. Um, it's the same thing with mental health. It's such a tricky thing and there's such a stigma around it that I'm absolutely passionate about spreading the word that it is okay to not be okay and it is an illness. It's not something that will go away with an increased amount of prayer or journaling or yoga. Yes, exercise helps boost those endorphins temporarily, but it's temporary and I'm sure people that suffer from mental health don't take medication and don't exercise for a day, they will absolutely notice those effects on their moods. Um, so I encourage you to seek the help that you need. Therapy works wonders for people. There's a type of therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy that can even help people that have borderline personality disorder and it will help them rewire their brains. Um, I'm here for you. I love you. And I, I pray that this situation is not creating too much mental angst for you to handle. If you're feeling suicidal, there are suicidal uh, hotlines out there. I've also worked for the crisis intervention team uh, in Calgary. There is a team of people ready and willing and waiting to talk with you on the phone. They used to go visit you in your homes. I don't know what the situation is now with the self-isolation and physical distancing, but there are resources out there and I encourage you to utilize them if you need to. And um, that's that. I hope you guys have a great time uh, with the rest of your days and make sure to tune in to our next episode. Bye for now. Mountain Movers are a high quality, highly reliable moving company who offer to assist you with all of your relocation needs. Find out more and request a discount by contacting our good friend and owner, Jeff Gilbert. Email him at mountainmovers.com at mail.org and tell him Teddy sent you. I'm sure he'll give you a discount.